0: Welcome to Mind What Matters. We are doing our third brain bite with Dr. Annie Fenn. She's the founder of Brain Health Kitchen and our board member. This morning, we're going to talk about some very simple ways that you can make changes to your cooking routine that are very small, kind of, you won't even notice that you're doing them, but healthier choices um, while you're cooking. So we're going to just dive right in. Hi, Annie.
1: Hi, Liz. Good morning.
0: Good morning.
1: I love this topic because I really believe that the small changes you make every day and what you eat and how you cook really add up.
0: Yeah, they definitely do. And, you know, I think one of the things that shocked me the most on all of the podcasts that I've done is just the amount of sugar that we are consuming in our diets and just how outrageous the added sugars are to all, especially the the processed foods that we're having. So we really want to figure out how to get sugar out of our diet as much as possible and those unhealthy fats. So, Annie, what is something small that you could use in in lieu of butter, let's say, when you're cooking?
1: Oh, well, this is one of my favorite topics because um, butter has actually been extensively studied in terms of, you know, how much butter in the diet is healthy for long-term brain health. And in the MIND diet study, they actually came up with a recommendation that you shouldn't eat more than a tablespoon of butter a day, which That's is amazing- right. Yeah, and so that's a big um, adjustment for people that are used to baking with butter or slathering butter on everything. And I used to cook with a ton of butter. And I used to go through a lot of butter too.
0: Guilty. Um, now
1: I swear I only buy butter. Maybe once a month I'll buy a stick of butter. <laughs> I really yeah. just don't have that much use for it in my cooking. And when I do use it, it tastes you know delicious and rich, and it's really special. So what I've what I've done mostly is swap in other things like olive oil. And um, other types of av- avocado oil and pecan oil in my baking. Oh, so, I like
0: that one that uh, you add in your right hand. That's my favorite avocado oil.
1: Oh yeah, this one. Yeah, I like this one too. Um, pecan oil is really high in polyphenols and healthy fats, like monounsaturated fats. So if you can find pecan oil, it's a great um, substitute for butter for high heat cooking. Where do
0: you find that, Annie? Because I haven't seen that one. Just you know, on the average Trader Joe shelves. Is it at Whole Foods?
1: Um, I get this on Amazon, actually. Oh, ah, OK. Yeah. And um, it's 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 a great thing to have in your kitchen. It's a really clean oil. Um, but when I'm baking, I usually just sub in, you know, like a neutral flavored oil like avocado. If it's something I don't want to have an olive oil taste or I use a an, avoc- or an olive oil for pretty much everything, for cookies, for cakes, for, um, you know, all sorts of things that you would otherwise just use butter.
0: How do you know how much to sub out? Like if it calls for a stick of butter, how much olive oil is that? And how can people find out?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's actually you have to do a little bit of um, finagling to figure out the right amount. Um, the best thing to do would be to go to my website and look at one of my recipes for muffins. I've got a couple of different blueberry muffins on there that use olive oil instead of butter. And, and it's delicious. roughly a half a cup I've of olive them. oil for a stick of butter. Okay. But like if you take a look at another recipe that, you know, is going to know works like the muffins I've made, you know, dozens and dozens of times, and they always work really well. And then you can sort of um, substitute it in your
0: recipe. Okay. So what about tahini? Cause we've talked about that before.
1: Yeah. Tahini is great. I have a couple of types of tahini that I like this one is from Trader Joe's. Um, tahini is just sesame seed paste. Uh, it's really high in monounsaturated fats. Um, whereas butter is higher in the saturated fats we want to stay away from, this is another brand I like called Zoom that is a female owned company out of Philadelphia.
0: Okay. And I really
1: like this one. It's super creamy, like a, like a creamy peanut butter. It doesn't Mm -hmm. separate and it's not hard to use. Um, but let's say you're making just like chocolate chip cookies, like the classic toll house recipe. Mm -hmm. You can substitute, um, tahini, the same amount of tahini for butter in that recipe. And it comes out absolutely delicious. People can't really put their finger on it. Like what is different about these cookies? They taste a little bit more nutty. um, And the texture is just perfect. So you can use this
0: as a one-to-one sub for butter and cookies. That's a good one to know because that's a staple in our house, I think. Um, that was one of the biggest ones when I started changing how I cooked and especially how much sugar I used. That was one of the most, like my kids immediately said, but wait, what about our Friday night cookies?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we like our cookies too sometimes. And, you know, you can also use a little bit of tahini in a salad dressing to make it creamy. Um, you just mix tahini with lemon juice, olive oil, garlic, and a little bit of salt until you get like a salad dressing like consistency. And I've got some recipes like that on my website as well. That makes a delicious drizzle for roasted vegetables, salads, all sorts of things like that. Another sub that I love instead of butter is the good old avocado. Yeah, and so you can use avocado um, in salad dressings. You can use it on like grilled fish or grilled chicken instead of something like a compound butter. And sometimes I'll even mix um, really good grass fed butter, like a couple of tablespoons, with a ripe avocado and mash it together with a little bit of uh, lemon juice, and a little bit of garlic. And it makes a compound butter that you would serve on a steak or a chicken or a grilled fish. And it's absolutely delicious, mostly avocado, with a tiny bit of butter
0: that's awesome. I would never have thought to do that. Not ever. The tahini salad dressing one, that's like become a staple in our house. That's the only thing I ever use on lettuce now. And then the other thing I've started doing is I chop up dates and kind of caramelize them with the vegetables that I'm roasting and then put that tahini dressing on the top. It's delicious. Oh, that sounds
1: delicious. I love using dates. I use dates as a sweetener. You know, like a few, when I started eating for brain health back in the I don't know like around 2015, when a lot of this data came out, there are a couple of things I pretty much gave up in my kitchen. I gave up white flour because it's low in fi- low in fiber and really doesn't have any nutrition nutritional benefits whatsoever it's so processed. Um, so it basically it hits your bloodstream just like sugar. So I don't use any white flour, I don't use any white sugar. Instead of sugar, I use um, whole food forms of sweeteners, like dates, and sometimes I'll chop it up like you say or I'll puree it or I'll throw a date into a nut milk that I'm making in the blender and it naturally sweetens it. I use raw honey um, in small amounts. Um, and I just, I basically don't need to use sugar that much anymore. If I do want sugar for like a cookie or a cake, cause you need structure sometimes for baked goods. Mm-hmm. I'll use a coconut sugar. Sometimes it's called coconut palm sugar. It yep. has a slightly lower glycemic index than white sugar.
0: I've seen that. It,
1: it's all sugar. <laughs> right.
0: Right. So you have to use it sparingly. So what do you do if you're like cooking and a recipe calls for you to like? Sometimes I make Brussels sprouts, and it'll say you know to kind of get them to caramelize. To just put a little bit of brown sugar on the top of them. Like, how can you sub out? How can you add that sweetness to kind of caramelize the your vegetables or something if you're cooking that way?
1: You know, I just use olive oil, and the the heat of the oven will caramelize the vegetables. You don't really need anything sweet on top.
0: Ah, okay. So is that okay that if you're cooking it at higher heats though? Because I know we've talked about not using olive oil at a high heat. Is it better to use
1: it at a lower heat under 400 degrees Fahrenheit? Um, and sometimes you just need to roast them for a little bit longer.
0: Okay. Do you lose any of the nutritional value of the vegetables if you kind of get them to that kind of crispier point or is it okay?
1: No, it's okay. Yeah. You don't want, you want, you don't want the, you don't want to burn them Um, because that might damage some of the phytonutrients, but you can still get them crispy and delicious. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Any other tips,
1: any other small, Um, small changes you can make? Another really great thing. um, You know, I grew up in an Italian American family and we, I grew up eating a lot of pasta and when kids were little, I fed them a lot of pasta too, but pasta has gotten so much better. You don't have to rely on white pasta anymore. Like um, for example, this is a brand that I really like. It's just plain white pasta. It's decadent. Di it's imported from Italy, but it's also really high in protein. So if, ah. you, so if you prefer a, you know, like a white pasta, this is a protein rich brand. Okay. So you, can, you can check the label on that. And if your family is gonna be, you know, open to it, there's some really great alternative pastas. Like this one is also an Italian product. It's made with red lentils. It's mm-hmm. high in fiber and it's high in protein and it tastes really delicious. You know, it used to be that some of these gluten-free pastas had a really gummy texture. Yeah, they weren't I don't really like them at all, honestly. Um, but these are getting so much better. Another good option is just go for a whole wheat. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the whole wheat um, pastas have gotten so much better as well. This one has like six grams of fiber in each serving mm-hmm. as well as six grams of protein, which is huge. It's about three or four times more than a typical white pasta.
0: Oh, you can same. also find the ones that are like made like you said out of lentils or um there's another one that I just started using it starts with a b um you're probably going to know what it is um it has like a red box uh-huh is it maybe out of quinoa? Maybe. I don't know. There's so many different new grain. grain there's a
1: lot that you can try fabric. that are actually yeah, really so really just good. Experiment and try those things. Um, another thing I love subbing out is I don't use much white rice anymore, mostly because it has a, a low, you know, a high glycemic index and you want something that's got a lot more fiber. That's not going to hit your bloodstream like sugar and initiate an insulin response. So I use, um, cauliflower rice a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever made that. You can make it from scratch really easily by putting um, pieces of cauliflower florets in a food processor, and then just pulse it until it looks like rice. And you can also buy it in the frozen food section. And -hmm. this is a really um, good brand. It's organic. Um, It costs a couple dollars. It's not expensive at all. And what you do is you just cook this just like rice. You just saute it in a pan with a little bit olive oil. Maybe you put some garlic and salt in there. Um sometimes I make uh like fried rice for breakfast a lot for my kids. Yeah. What I would do is saute the cauliflower rice um and then add as many vegetables I have in my vegetable bin that I think that they will eat and sometimes I'll put a fried egg on top or put some scrambled eggs in there too. Little soy sauce. Um, it makes a really good breakfast. Do you do soy sauce in there too? Yeah, soy sauce, dash of honey and sriracha. Ah,
0: yum. That sounds
1: Where people- people don't even know that it's not rice. Right. And it's, it's, it's so much more um, fiber rich and has a lot of phytonutrients in it. So it fills you up more too. And again, it
0: doesn't hit your bloodstream like sugar. I think that's something that no one realizes when you're eating either white rice, white flour, um, white sugar, they're like all the same. Your body treats it the exact same. It's just like eating a big cookie almost.
1: Exactly. It's like eating a big cookie, (laughs) which every once in a while we like to do. Another rice I really love is called forbidden rice or Mm -hmm. black rice. And I don't know if you can tell, um, but it's a purplish black rice Yep. and the pigment in forbidden rice, it's the same phytonutrient in blueberries that is makes our, um, it's good for our brains. It actually helps protect memory because it's rich in anthocyanin. Oh, wow. I really like forbidden rice. It's got a really nice, sweet, nutty flavor. And um, I also also love using faro instead of rice. So, this faro is berry. Yeah. And you cook it up. You can cook it in your instant pot. You can cook it just on the stovetop. You can cook it just like pasta and boil it and then strain it. So, you don't have to worry about the ratio of water to faro, you right. know, like you do when you're steaming rice. And you can make lots of grain salads out of this. You can use it just like pasta. You can use it just like rice. Um, and it's going to be really satiating and delicious, nutty flavor.
0: Let's talk about smoothies for a second, because I think there are a Uh lot of moms out there that are doing smoothies for their kids every morning. And they're putting lots of like added sugars unintentionally, but with like apple juice or, you know, other types of juices that they add in. So what do you suggest to kind of help just lower the sugar content of smoothies just a little bit?
1: Um, avocado is like a secret ingredient. It makes it creamy and smooth. It gives it a lot of fiber. It gives your smoothies just this oomph. And you don't really taste the avocado, honestly. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite smoothies is to use um, frozen bananas. And that's really the only source of sugar in the smoothie. And then I'll add um, frozen blueberries or blackberries or raspberries, whatever I have in the freezer. Um, and a small avocado. Mm-hmm. And then I fill it up with some coconut water, too. Or just
0: plain water. Is fine. That's what I use. Yeah, yeah. water. Except for you have to be careful because some of those have a lot of added sugars too.
1: Yes, absolutely. You need to get a, a brand that doesn't have any added sugar in it. Um, another thing you can put in your smoothies is <laughs> cauliflower, frozen cauliflower, no. which sounds really gross, but it's you don't taste it, and it just gives the smoothie more fiber
0: and um, you know a certain amount of um, you know body to it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Annie, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to try the avocado in the smoothie. That sounds like really gross. I'm not going to lie, but I bet you're right. I bet you can't taste it. I mean, I dump spinach in mine all the time. So what's yeah. the
1: difference? Yeah. And that smoothie recipe is on my Instagram feed and um, I can dig it up for you if you can't find it, but it's, it's, I just posted it, I think a, a couple weeks ago.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to, we're, we're going to post all of your in, um, information um, with this to how to get to your website and all of your yummy recipes.
1: Fantastic. And if you guys have any questions, just let me know.
0: All right. I can't wait to do our next brain bite. Thank you so much.
1: Me too, Liz. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.